The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. This morning, we are moving back to the center of our chapters that we've been going through as we've really grown in faith with Sarah and, and Abraham. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 15, really the center of our faith and of their faith. And we want to see just what happens right after God credits to Abraham faith and righteousness through faith, excuse me. So I want to invite you, if you're at home listening in on Zoom, to open up to Genesis chapter 15 uh, and keep your Bibles open there. And if you're here with us in the church, we're on page nine. I'm going to read that for you now. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But the Lord said to him, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord said to him, Know for certain, that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites, has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. This story is, it's laser focused. It's, it's got one emphasis and, and one purpose. That, that God would show us how he forms faith. This is about faith formation. And, and he shows us that from, from the very beginning of the lesson. God comes with a promise, and Abraham comes with a question. He says, how can I know? 
How can I be certain? How can I know that, that God, that you're going to keep your promises? How, God, can I know that you're going to give me this land? Because it sure looks like you're not going to. How can I know? And you might reframe that question as a petition. Really what Abram is saying is he's saying, God, give me more faith. He's saying, God, God, I want to believe you. It, it, it sounds a little bit like that, that, that prayer that that grieving and troubled father once muttered. You know the one I'm talking about where he said, where he said, God, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And it's really the prayer of every Christian, isn't it? That we would have more faith, that we would have our faith shaped and, and formed in, in a godly way, in a, in a pleasing way. Because Christians know deep, deep down that there is a difference between believing in God and just plain believing God. Even, even the demons believe in God. Even the demons believe that, that He exists, but they don't believe God. They don't trust God. Shakespeare was like that. He, one of his most famous lines is this one. You'll recognize it. He said, as flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport. He believed in God, but he didn't believe God. He didn't trust God. He believed that God was just a fly-swatting God, that he just plays games with us. You see, Christians want to move. They want to move from, from a head knowledge about God to, to a knowledge that knows that God is for us. Like, really for us. And so here's Abram. He's He's with God and he says, God, how can I know? And I got to tell you, that is a dangerous thing to ask. It is a dangerous thing to petition for. Because what God does next in this lesson is he gives to Abram exactly what he asked for. More faith. Faith formation. And he does it in three, three ways. First of all, he does it through trouble through hardship, through strife. Then he does it through fear. And finally, he does it through blood. First through, through struggle. God's immediate response to Abram's question or response is this. He says to Abram, Abram, go empty out a farm. <laughs> it's basically what he says. He's like, Go check out old McDonald's farm and get just about everything there that is, that is good producing, like three years old. In other words, these are good animals. Empty it out and bring them to me. That's what he says. And that's all he says, actually. And then Abram, he becomes like an eager beaver, like an over-eager beaver. Like he knows. He's like reading God's mind. God, I know what you, you're up to. And so what Abram does, and we're going to explore this in a little bit, it's a little bit of a mystery to us at the beginning, is he, is he starts to chop. That's what the lesson says. He becomes, again, we've seen this before in his life, he, he becomes again like a veritable Paul Bunyan. 
And he starts to chop those animals in half. It's a very macabre scene, like a very Halloween ghoulish scene. Now, I, I'm going to admit something to you. I'm a little, I've, I've been raised, it's, it's a rather soft life. I'll admit that to you. Like, I, I, I can't ever say that I've had to take an animal out back. In fact, in fact, I, I was reading, I was reading Of Mice and Men. It's a classic little novelette. Easy read. You can read it in one night. And I, I was almost in tears when they took Candy's dog out back and euthanized him with a gun. But here's Abram. Like, he, he's this brawny guy, and he just goes, like, he's, he's chopping a heifer in half. It's a very macabre scene. And then, and then it's just, like, nothing happens. That's what the story says. Like Abram, he's got these animals that are split in half. It's very mysterious, very ghoulish. And, and then he just waits there and nothing happens. For like a long enough time that the birds of prey come down. Now you should know this, that these, these are not um, majestic birds of prey. <laughs> like we're, we're not talking about the bald eagle here and we're not talking about the, the peregrine falcon or, or anything like that, what we're really talking about are vultures. Like these, have you ever seen a vulture up close? Like these beady-eyed vultures with the, the greedy curved beak. And they're just, they just love dead things. And then we're told that Abram drives them away. And the scene ends right there. Like, we see Abram driving away vultures. What does this mean? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something to you up front that um, I feel like, I feel a little bit like a comedian who is about to, to explain the joke that he, that he just told. Like, it just kind of ruins it. And when, when you enter into to symbolism like this if, if you have it have to explain it you you kind of ruin it but i'm going to do it anyway and hope that it doesn't ruin it the vultures birds you see birds you see have deep meaning any alfred hitchcock fans here M maybe you've seen you can watch this on youtube later uh google the birds and what you'll see is this scene where these crows take over and dominate this small coastal this small coastal town and it is absolutely horrifying to them. Like there's this one scene, it, the classic scene is this little girl who who gets up and blood is running down her face, she falls and the glasses are broken. It's the crows, it's the birds, you see. Birds and crows and vultures have deep, deep symbolism. And so we're asking ourselves, like, how is this going to strengthen Abram's faith? What is God showing to him by sending vultures to feed on that very macabre scene? And the answer is something along these lines, that God wants Abram to know that there is opposition to the promise. That there is always going to be opposition to God's ways in the world. That vultures are going to come and feed and oppose what God is doing. That's what it means. 
It's no small detail. In a sense, what this means for us then is that we too are to expect opposition to God's ways and promises in the world. And that God's going to use it to strengthen our faith. Luther said this. The early Christians said this too. That one of the ways, the most significant way actually, that God strengthens faith, they used a Latin word called tentatio. Struggle. Trial. Hardship. Vultures. This is how God will strengthen your faith. Which means that we need to be ready as Christians that when the opposition comes, that we just don't give up. Christianity is so vanilla these days. Like We want it now. We want it easy. We want to move on with our lives. We want God to, to do what we say right now. It's so vanilla. And then when even the most little bit of opposition comes to your faith, it's like, oh, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. But the vultures will come, see. It's almost like Christianity has, has become, you've seen it maybe before, where, where the parent, the mom, or the dad gives to, to the kid a little ice cream cone. And there's one or two scoops on top. And then one of the scoops falls out all, and hits the ground, and the kid just loses it. It's so immature, isn't it? Like, there's still ice cream in the cone, at least you can enjoy that, but, but we just sort of lose it. Like, we don't get exactly what we want, and when the little bit of opposition, we lay it down. When did Christianity become like that? When, when, did we, we, when did we stop driving off the vulture, so to say? Like, could we be a little bit more like Bruce Willis and die hard for a second? Or like Clint Eastwood and all of his movies? Like, our faith needs to have a little bit of swagger so that when, when the hardship comes, we're ready. This is a trial. This is a vulture. It's not that God doesn't love me. It's that he's testing me, that he's, that he's putting my faith through the fire. Like this is how God shapes and forms faith. That's, that's the first point, that, that God shapes and forms faith through struggle. But that's not all that we have here. It's also through fear. It's also through fear. So you got to see this with me. The very next thing that, that happens to Abram then is that the Bible tells us he falls into a deep sleep. Remember the last time when he fell into a deep sleep? This is you got to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, where God does a surgical procedure on Adam, takes out a rib and forms a woman. The next time, the next time that Abram or someone in the Bible falls into this deep sleep right here. This is a, in other words, this is Abram is anesthetized. He's surgically prepared for an epic mo mo making moment. Like this is a big deal. And then Abram falls into a deep and terrible darkness. And if you read it, read it in the Hebrew, it, it's like it's jerky, see? Just got three words lined up in a row that go like this terror, darkness, great. Terror, darkness, 
great. So he, he moves from struggle to fear and trembling. It's like, it's like Abram has entered into one of those, those Coney Island shows. You know what I'm talking about? Or it's just horrifying. You're looking in and it's just horrifying. But, but the difference is he's frozen in it. Like he's congealed in it because he's been put into a deep sleep. It's as if God is saying, okay, Abram, you want your faith to be shaped and formed. I'll shape and form you. I'm going to frighten you. I'm going to quote, we have a a phrase for it. I'm going to put in you the fear of God. And so that's what he does. He's like, Abram, I'm showing up, and that means that fear is going to enter into your heart like none other before. And this, Abram, is how I'm going to shape and form your faith through through fear. And I think sometimes we don't get that as Christians, that this is how God shapes and forms our faith, also through fear. And we should get that. Remember that phrase, like the slogan, it became quite a thing during the pandemic. Remember it? The connection between faith and fear. People would say, faith, not fear. And I'm not here, I'm not going to comment on that in terms of public health policy like that. I'm not called to do that. It's not my vocation, but I will comment on it theologically. Because you can never put faith and fear in opposition to each other. You can never do that. Faith and fear work together intimately, don't they? It's faith through fear, faith because of fear. One of our most basic, one of our most basic creeds says this in response to the first commandment, where it says, You shall have no other gods. And then Martin Luther, what did he write? He said, What does this mean? You should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And I think it's interesting. It's more than interesting that Luther put the word fear first. It's faith through fear, not faith over fear. That's how this works. You see, the truth of the matter is, I think, I think these days, perhaps, and you can, you can disagree with me if you want, but I think perhaps we do too much of trying to minimize fears. Like, that would only happen to you once in a million. It's no possible, so we try to set all of our fears aside. But the fact of the matter is, the things that we fear most are most certainly going to happen. They most certainly will. Your children will die. So will your mom and dad. So here we are, like, we're just trying to minimize, all, well, it's just once in a million that that could happen. But the fact that it will happen at one point in your life. So, so at the end of the day, as, as helpful as it is, is to minimize our fears, what God does is he maximizes another big fear, which is God himself. And he says, if you really want to trust in me, then it starts with fearing me. I'm so much bigger 
than all of your little fears. You see that? He's inviting us to maximize our fear of God because here's the truth. God is a thousand times more authoritative than any U.S. president. Fear Him. And God is, is, is a million times more powerful than 10,000 atomic bombs. Fear Him more than that. That's what it's saying to us. Faith is formed through fear. And when we begin to fear God, all of the other fears just sort of melt away because we know the one that we fear is the one who loved us with his own son. Faith formed through struggle, faith formed through fear, and one more. Finally, faith formed through blood. Through blood. So we're back. We're back at the, the macabre scene. And, and we've been through the darkness with Abraham, we've, 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 been, uh, we've seen the vultures that come, but, but now we're going to see that all of this is about what the Bible calls a covenant that God makes with us. And the closest thing that we have to it is probably contract. And in contracts today, the teeth are usually financial. Like, if you don't fulfill your obligation in the contract, then there's going to be some financial things that, that will happen to you. But in the ancient Near East, these contracts or, or pacts or, or covenants that they would, would make had actually real teeth. Like, punishable teeth. So they would, they would take animals and they would saw them up and, and cut them up and then split them in half. And then both parties would, would walk down the aisle, so to say, like they're getting married. And, and there was a sermon preached by the animal parts that said, if you don't keep your agreement, you're going to end up like them. Just kind of cut up and, and dead. That's what it meant. But there's one change to, to the covenant here because Abram doesn't walk down the aisle with God. God does it alone. He does it. He does it. It's like this um, very Halloweenish thing. Like he's, he, he becomes this levitating furnace. <laughs> See? But that's God. And he goes down the aisle all by himself to say, I'm going to do this, Abram. Not you. I'm going to save Abram, not you. I'm going to keep my word, Abram, not you. I'm doing it. And my promises will come true on pain of death. That's what God says to Abram to strengthen his faith on pain of death. Or we could say it, we could say it another way. God risks his eternity ending in death. He risks his impassibility and puts it to suffering 
He says he'll let his glory no shame. And he'll let his life, his eternal life, get cut down before a single one of his promises will fall to the ground. That's what he says to Abram to strengthen his faith. I have made a covenant with you and I'm keeping it on pain of death. And I don't know if you noticed it, but he kept his word on pain of death. You see, the problem with this covenant wasn't God. It was Abram and his sin, our sin. How can I know? How can I know, God, that you'll stay faithful to me when I am the way I am, when I'm so sinful, when I'm not faithful to you? How can I know, God? And the answer is this. He says, I, I let my eternity end in Christ when he died for you. I let my glory no shame rather than let you fall down. I let my impassibility suffer. I let my glory no shame and so on and so forth so that you could know. So that you could trust me. Church, trust Him. See what He was willing to suffer so that His covenant would never be violated. It is an eternal covenant that He has made with each one of you. Trust Him. Fear Him. Let your faith be formed through, through trials, through fear, and, and through blood. I think we know this deep down as Christians that to petition God is, is to ask Him to work in your life. And sometimes it's dangerous to do that. Because He doesn't answer those prayers. When you, when you ask for faith, three potential things could happen to you that happened to Abram here. He could, he could form your faith through, through suffering and trial, through hardship. Or He could help you to fear Him more. By showing up. Or he could show you what he did for you and his eternal covenant made in his blood, which you'll receive in a little bit. Each one of those things shape and form our faith to God's great glory. Blessed Christ the King Sunday to y'all. More to come next year. Amen. <laughs>